Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Welcome to the Kaiju Cast, one of the only podcasts that is 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. I am Kyle. I am your host for all things radioactive and redonkulous in size. This is episode number 18 and represents a first for the Kaiju Cast. Last weekend, I was invited to join a panel of Godzilla enthusiasts at the 2010 Crypticon Seattle. So Tiger and I drove up to the Emerald City for the day. We met up with friends Jeff and Willie from Horror Holocaust Radio and a couple of other locals we've come to know come to know over the years. The panel was awesome, and I uh, actually recorded the whole thing. I had to trim it down just a bit in order to make it fit into the format of the show, but it was a lot of fun. I'll introduce that in a few minutes, but as always... We have a lot of stuff to do, and not very much time. The subject for our Daikaiju discussions this month is the first Gamera film from 1965, and there are a few news bits I'd like to share, but let's start with some music. We only have two requests from uh, this month, which is great, because like I said, we don't have a lot of extra time. You can't kill the metal. The metal will live on.
1999. The United Nations Scientific Committee has established an exploratory base on the surface of the moon. Here at the Rocket Departure Center on Earth, lunar-bound spacecraft are launched on a daily schedule. At Ogasawara Island, an underwater research center has been set up to allow scientists to study the habits and breeding of marine life in their natural surroundings. Here, many new forms of fish are being artificially evolved. While on the island itself, all of the Earth's monsters have been collected and confined in an area known as Monsterland. Among them are Godzilla, Rodan, Angulas. security purposes as well as for scientific investigation. Special electronic devices guard each according to its own characteristics. here. 
and the monsters are free to eat as much of it as they can catch. You know, some people, they say, it's the future now. Where are my flying cars and uh, my jetpacks? But I say, we're well past 1999. Where's my monster land? Where is the island that houses all of the Earth's monsters? But that's just me. I mean, that could just be me. Anyway, those were uh, f- tracks that we played for Tristan. He requested anything from the Godzilla vs. Metal CD, which... Uh, is my pleasure to play for you, sir. That was Battle. And uh, seriously, anytime anybody requests something like kooky like that, I love I love doing that, uh, playing those things, because I never think, oh, man, I should play one of those weird, weird songs. And then um, the uh, second thing that I played there was uh, for Jose, who requested the opening to Destroy All Monsters, but I actually, man, I didn't know if you wanted me to play just the title credits or if you wanted me to play everything so i added that extra stuff in from the aip dub because i'm a little crazy so those of you who are uh, linked up to my facebook and twitter accounts know that uh, this month i was sort of invited slash i invited myself to be part of this panel and it was a lot of fun fyi i wasn't thinking clearly when i was discussing uh, gojira's production our pre-production woes and I said it was Honda instead of Tanaka. So that really should... When you hear it, I'll talk, be talking about Honda, and I mean Tomoyuki Tanaka. And uh, I also said Thailand instead of Indonesia. And uh, Nick later on mentioned Indonesia. And as soon as the word came out of his mouth, I was like, ah, I messed that up in front of all these people. So I apologize in advance. Do, do, a million times do. Also, I wish... The audio was a little bit better, but this was grabbed in a room with no mics or no um, soundboard or anything like that. And finally, I did have to trim this up a bit. So if anybody's listening to this and they want to know why their questions were completely cut out of it, it's because as it stood, it was a 40-minute panel without questions. So I'm sorry about that. But barring any other interruptions, the scene is set in Seattle. On Father's Day, five Godzilla fans enter a room in a hotel during a horror convention to talk about their experience and love for the giant radioactive menace. And action! (laughs) All right, this is the Godzilla panel. Uh, I'm the moderator, Kelly Young. I am a publisher and editor of Strange Young's magazine, available just down the hall there. Yay! Uh, and so why don't we go through the panel and, and introduce ourselves first. My name's Kyle. I uh, run the Kaiju Cast, which is a monthly Godzilla podcast all about Godzilla. 
and uh, his radioactive rubber-suited foes. Yeah. So I'm Aaron Tarbuck, owner of the Dreaming Comics and Games. Godzilla sports the front right on the window right about now. That is my personal totem power animal and is all over the store. We carry many of the products and I've loved him since I was tiny. I'm Jeff Burke. Uh, I'm a writer with Eraserhead Press. Uh, my most recent book is actually called Super Giant Monster Time, which is a choose-your-own-adventure book for adults. And it's kind of my tribute to being a Godzilla fan as a kid. And it has like lots of... Um, copyright infringement in it, so it actually is a Godzilla book. Sweet! <laughs> uh, I'm Nicholas Gucker, aka Nick the Hat. Uh, I'm just a huge Godzilla fan. I'm an illustrator, I'm a designer, um, and uh, he's definitely been the apex of, of my, uh, of, of revealing what fantasy can really become. Okay, so this is basically just a, a basic Godzilla panel. We're going to talk about Godzilla, you know, from the beginning on and everything. Uh, I've always said that, on the surface, Godzilla may seem like an allegory for the horror of atomic war and what the Japanese had to go through, but if you dig deeper, it's really a movie about a giant lizard stomping on buildings. <laughs> and so, with Ignore that in mind, that surface area. <laughs> with that in mind, I want to talk a little bit about, in 1954, the first movie came out, it was less than 10 years after Japan had had two bombs dropped on them and the original Japanese version had you know a couple of pretty intense scenes of the mm -hmm. survivors of Godzilla's atomic rays and it was uh, it was it meant a lot to them all that got cut out mm -hmm. along with a nice Raymond Burr uh, character <laughs> introduced into the American version let's talk about why that happened and and what was going on in the in the minds of uh, well the Japanese who created the movie and then the Americans who grabbed it into what we saw back then. I think we should pick up with uh, Lucky Dragon number five. Yeah. So, for those that don't know, there was a there was a fishing boat off. Um, I don't actually know where, off the coast it was, but off the coast of Japan, uh, kind of wandered into a nuclear test, and all of the fishermen on board, like basically, got radiation sickness, and pretty much, I think all of them died. Yeah. Very soon. Um, yeah, one immediately. And yeah. then the worst part is uh, a bunch of the fish got into the marketplace, more yeah. people got sick from that. Yeah. And in the newspapers and media at the time, literally some of the most provocative sources call it, you know, the next American atomic attack on Japan. Right. And it was so it was a hot button at the time, and it's one of the things that led, led to them going for this movie. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's one of the, one of the things that happened when... Um, when uh, Honda was working on the movie, as he wanted to, he wanted to actually he wanted to do a movie, uh, a co-production with Thailand, and he was flying down there, and it didn't work out. He came back from Thailand, and as he's flying over the ocean, he had just recently read about the Lucky Dragon, and looked down in the water, and he had recently seen, uh, you know, King Kong and. Uh, I don't think the beast. I don't think he had seen the beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms yet. But, he but he's aware of its yeah. numbers. And, yeah. yeah, he basically wanted to create this sort of Japanese monster movie, but that would liken itself to American, the American versions of monster movies, but also hit home with the Japanese people. And so that's why he included that. He looked down the on the ocean floor as he was passing over it on the ocean floor, on the surface of the ocean, and remembered that story and tried to tie it in to his giant monster movie. Yeah, yeah, apparently the uh, producer, Tarada, had 
been kicking around a script for something called just G or giant. They were aiming for a giant octopus, and after Honda, you know, has this specific inspiration, they they really codify it and they come up with what they're going to do, and eventually we get Gorgira or Godzilla. It's kind of interesting too. Part of his uh, was it Sabira's? Am I saying his name right? Sabira. Sabira. Thank you. Um, his his going down to uh, where was um, Indonesia to work on this film to create goodwill between the two countries. Yeah. And then and then after war atrocities. And then having this issue with getting into the country and then all this controversy with them being there, having to fly back and have this inspiration to have this film about war is kind of an interesting contrast within that. Yeah. That that kind of thing is kind of cool. Totally. So, so it was actually, uh, the first movie was a, a very serious movie uh, along the lines of a King Kong, the original, or something like that, mm -hmm. and, uh, and the Japanese took it very seriously. And even when we Americanized it, we tried to take it kind of seriously. We, we added in uh, somebody who was a, a well-known actor and uh, kind of screwed with their storyline a little bit. Um, uh, you know, on the surface it seems that it was just, let's Americanize it a bit and make it more palatable for the American audience. What what do you what else do you think was going on with that? Yeah, I don't actually have I, I enjoy like some people ask me like, do I do I think that Raymond Burr ruined Godzilla for America? And I'd say absolutely not. Mm -hmm. um, I agree I agree that uh, they they needed something to break Godzilla in and, and you know the addition <coughs> of Raymond Burr's character was kind of kind of brilliant. I mean I don't know how many yeah, other yeah. films have done that. Would, uh, would we have before, seen it if, if he hadn't been in it? That's kind of my thing. I'm like, I, yeah. can't, I can't fault him because... And also, too, wasn't the production overseen by the makers of Godzilla also for the American version? Oh, for, yeah, for a fair amount. They and, they, and they edited in all the scenes. And they yeah, well, and, and the fact that they bothered, unlike a lot of these other films, and when we see other Godzilla films or other kaiju or giant monster movies where they've edited in American scenes, this is the only one where they actually labor to try to create this weird contrast where it looks like the Japanese actors are actually interacting with Raymond Burr. and They do some stand-ins and some stuff that, right. you know, once your eye starts to see it, then you're like, oh, it's a little hokey and you'll see it forever. But, you know what, really what they were trying for was quite amazing. And none of the other productions ever really did that to that level again, yeah. where they really tried to intermix. Very seamless bond. Between yeah, 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 between this, this American insertion scenes and, uh, yeah. Um, and so that showed really a labor of love. Um, you know, very interesting. A lot of people ask about, um, you know, the name Godzilla. You know, there's the usual, which is Gorgiras, just from Gorilla, go from Gorilla, and Jiro, or Kujiro, is whale. So, the idea is that the uh, worshippers on a Japanese island who have this myth about this creature, it's very interesting because it's even before, in the story, in the film, when the Americans do their test, that's when we get Godzilla. Already a myth about him exists, and there's already a belief in a worship occurring as a Shinto spirit by the natives on the island. They've created this weird name because, of course, they don't have an education to even know what a dinosaur is. Um, and then a lot of people ask where the name Godzilla comes from, and that just has everything to do with the convention of translating Japanese to English at the time. And when they took those kanji and those specific letters and how they chose in English, that was a straight translation. We've now changed how we do uh, Japanese to English now. You see it with um, the term for ghost story. There's the famous movie called Kaidan with a W, yeah. and now we translate that into English as Kaidan. Yeah, and it's just changing how we translate the uh, language to the Roman uh, letters. What Hmm, that's an interesting point. I actually, yeah, I haven't, yeah. 
Uh, you know, I haven't actually uh, asked or, or seen what that would be, but it would be a trick of just probably just asking a Japanese friend, you know, to, to look at those kanji again and like, okay, now back to English, what would that be? You know? yeah. But good point, good point. They might actually just call them Gojira. Yeah. I mean, it's the very simple three syllables and uh, with, with the, I mean, with direct translations being so popular these days, I mean, I really don't see how it could, like in, even in the American movie, you know, that one actress says, like, it's Gojira. No. <laughs> right, right, right. So, totally. yeah. yeah I, I think it's great that that uh, that it came to America, you know, just a couple of, year, just a couple of years later. That's mm -hmm. very, very profound considering what it was. And then the impact it had over here, I think it's really cool that Raymond Burr brought it in. Uh, you know, the name mm -hmm. brought people in to see the movie. And um, it, I think overall, it I think it was a success. I, I don't know the numbers on that. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was definitely a success. Did, yeah. did, did that, and, and just one more thing on the name. Now, there's been stories, and I don't, I don't know if they've been held true, though, about uh -huh. during the production of up. Godzilla, yeah. that they were jokingly calling this one guy who worked there, who was quite large, Gojira. Uh -huh. yeah. And so that, that became like this office thing, and they kind of matched the Gojira up with the G from yeah. the giant movie monster that they were making. Uh, yeah. and so, and, but, I, but no one's, no one's been able to corroborate well, that. You know what it is? It's, true, it's, so. it's uh, what I've heard from a recent documentary that was very cool was uh, apparently that's sort of the popular tale they tell in the office, and that again, you know, some of, some of the creation, uh, God, is it, I think it's Honda's wife did an interview and kind of started to spell out some stuff. And say, yeah, you know that myth, not so much, but that's a good story to tell, <laughs> and it worked well for the media portion of Toho selling his property sure. because you know it creates this fun thing that yeah, perhaps there was this big guy on the staff and had the name, but uh, but yeah, apparently that might be urban legend. So it's a great urban legend. I mean, I think yeah. it's like one of the only ones Godzilla has about it. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. And another great thing too is like with with a lot of the Godzilla films, they completely changed. The title of the film coming over that really wasn't too big of a leap on that first film. Gojira to Godzilla, it wasn't like you know the monster kills Japan or something. It was you know are they you know the creature from underwater or whatever the nuclear disaster bastard. It yeah. was yeah. a pretty direct translation. Yeah. Well, yeah, it probably had something to do with the. There were a couple of movies coming out then that had uh, that had words that didn't mean anything. That were just the creature's name, the Gorgo, uh, things like that. And so it, it didn't seem so bizarre. You know, nowadays you you almost can't do that uh, with an American film company. That you give them a, a foreign word and they're going to say uh, we got to change the title. This is yeah. going to play. Yeah, some of the some of the giant monsters' names change greatly to little things like the Japanese creature called Baran is Baran in English, pretty simple. But then others are pretty radical, and some have a weird origin on that. Like the creature we call Rodan, the big pterodactyl-looking one, was uh, Radon from Radiation, and of course Radon was a big product for a cleanser. Comet was Comet is now crushed in the marketplace, but in the day it was big in the 50s and 60s. It was the reason they changed the creature's name for the American release. So just little dumbass <laughs> things. Because you know the current marketing concerns in the day. Yeah. There was there's also an actor named Ray Dawn. Oh really? Well, and they didn't want to. Okay, step on those toes. Yeah. yeah. Like someone think they're going to see a Ray Dawn documentary or yeah, <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> totally. giant flying rodents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. So at the end of Godzilla, of course, uh, they they destroy him, dissolve him, and uh, spoiler win alert. the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that too soon? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and uh, and then of course the movie does gangbusters for him. So 
they have to bring him back somehow. And if I recall correctly, Godzilla raids again. They don't explain how he comes back. <laughs> no, I think in the <laughs> Japanese version, um, Dr. Yamane is the same paleontologist who's in the first movie. Yeah. Okay. And he, I believe, uh, at the, at almost positive at the end of the first movie, he does say, like, we got to watch out, otherwise yep. we're going to yep. create yeah. another one yeah. of these. There might be and another then, already, and, yep. literally, as they say. And then in Godzilla raids again, what happens is, um, I'm going to say this wrong, I think it's Kobayashi's plane uh, crash lands in, on this uh, island and that's where they find another Godzilla creature and on top of that the Angus mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Right, so. And it also ties back in too with the fishing disaster because that film really centers around all the fishing boats yep. getting taken down yes. throughout the film yeah. and they're investigating why all these disappearances are happening Yeah. and that, that kind of harkens back to the original Good point. idea of Lucky part. Dragon number five, yeah. And I kind of love that it's like yeah. left open where he come back from, really, because that does set up for there to be how many more movies to come. Anything can be done in the future, and the series could be constantly restarted. Yeah. They probably didn't have that intentions at the exact time, but in the right. long to- long term, it turned out to be a genius move that kept the character alive until now. Yeah, we, Godzilla suffers another issue, just like King Kong, where King Kong, ginormous hit. Uh, you know, really huge, and both Godzilla and King Kong immediately have a sequel made six months later. And each of the sequels suffer greatly, but are beloved by fans to some degree. And um, and, and rightfully so in both. Um, but uh, yeah, and that was kind of part of the problem. So then they sit on the property for a while after, you know, six months later they do the, the Godzilla raids again, the one that gets called Gigantus the Fire Monster in America. And once, uh, yeah, that was of course again uh, API, the American release company going, well, you killed Godzilla at the end of this film and the American English version does not imply that there's even more. So like, okay, it's another creature. But of course, syndication of Godzilla on television, which has already begun within the first, what, few years, I believe, after theatrical release, uh, already kicks Godzilla into you know huge fame, and so they're by the time we're doing Godzilla versus King Kong, he's back to you know correct branding and in America. But, yeah. Right, and and the second movie is, is still taken pretty seriously, and they're smart enough not to kill him at the end because right. they realize what they've got, and so for a while we've got a couple of uh, a couple of sequels that that are are going downhill story wise and, and effects wise, uh, but are taking themselves pretty seriously. Mothra, Godzilla vs. Mm. Mothra, is, is a brilliant, beautiful film. Absolutely, one of the best of the show era. Right. Yeah, a lot of effects on that one. It's like huge. Yeah, yeah. Like the most money they'd yeah. spent up to that point on doing effects yeah. for that type of movie. Yeah. And I think it, you can tell me this, the film after Mothra is... Oh, the film directly after Mothra is um, uh, Gidra, Gidra the Three-Headed Monster. Yeah. Okay, and that one was was still kind of taken seriously. That was that's actually the, the menace from Planet X, right? That's the, the light switch. The, yeah. you know, they yeah. flip the switch, yep. they go from villain to hero, literally, yes. in that right. movie. The monsters and have a somehow, discussion, somehow and it starts. We, <laughs> yeah. we, we've turned Godzilla into yeah. you know Guardian of Earth now. Hero, yeah. Yeah, yeah Go- Godzilla remains uh, a villainous figure in pretty much the first four. But by the second film, we start monster wrestling. By the third film, Godzilla, <laughs> King Kong versus Godzilla. I mean, even when they're making it, right, the tongue is firmly in cheek. I mean, the ads in Japan come out, and they've got, you know, the guy standing there talking, all right, Godzilla, how do you feel about the fight? You know, rah, rah, rah. They got the guy in the King Kong suit. I mean, these are the ads in Japan at the time, right? So they're, you know, their tongue is firm, firmly in cheek by then. But, that, yeah, the first couple films really try for seriousness. We try to go back to it a few times. Uh, Godzilla versus Mothra is a great example. Um, 
And then uh, again, by the mid '60s, all the giant monster movies kind of switch, and mostly because of the success of Gamera, to just straight up going for the kid market, right? right? Yeah. They make one last big sort of stab at um, the adult market with Destroy All Monsters, yeah. and it doesn't quite still catch with adults, so they skip that again. And then the very last Godzilla film from that original run in the '70s, Terror of Mechagodzilla, again tries to do something very dark and serious compared to the more kidified films around it. Um, but yeah, yeah. But again, it's one of those catch-22s where as an adult, I love a serious Godzilla. As a kid, I needed that Hero of the Earth and the Hanna-Barbera cartoon and the Marvel comic book, you know? And, that and totally branded me on him, you know? And Godzilla's son with his little smoke ring. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, was, that, was, that, was that played very well. Oh, no, even as a kid, I could not stand that character. That's right. the worst of all the monsters in Godzilla. As a six-year-old, I knew that character sucked. Yeah. Well, and then, weren't they doing the whole thing where it was like a, it was like a parallel parallel <laughs> with, um... That the kid who's getting beat up by the bullies. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you're really supposed to be like imprinting, but when they get to like the son of Godzilla, it looks like a piece of dough. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, with, with Pillsbury Doughboy. Sleepy eyes. What monster like, wouldn't tease him? Yeah. 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 I know. I was like, I'm teasing him now. Totally. <laughs> totally. Oh yeah. Although it leads to the greatest T-shirt ever. Which, again, I hate Minnie too, but you know what? T-shirt with his face on it says, My dad can kick your dad's ass. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was, that was funny. That almost justifies him. Almost. Did you guys see that PSA, like, about five years ago that had, like, that song like people let me tell you about my best friend and like oh, it yeah. had like Godzilla and Minya like <laughs> it was it was adorable oh. like at a, oh. at a film festival a Godzilla film festival in 2004 and yeah. then the, the company sent that to me and we got to play it before the movie that was rad nice. awesome was funny awesome so you know, Mina led to some good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I really, I mean, I say this a lot. Like Wesley Crusher, love... Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Yeah, I, yeah. I do love uh, Godzilla's Revenge as a film, mm. and mm -hmm. Son of Godzilla too. I mean, as a as a film goes, Son of Godzilla is a fantastic movie. Um, this creature design of Mina is. Unfortunate. Yeah. Like the insects on in that were pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Great with all the spraying of the webbing and all that stuff. Was mm -hmm. one of those things where you're watching, going, "Wow, that's what spiders really do." Yeah. <laughs> you know, as a kid, you're as like, your that's kid, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So, so then they took a little break, and I remember. Uh, you know, my my introduction to Godzilla was my older brother and the uh, the you know we we got three channels back then. I mean, everybody got three channels back then. So you'd have your your matinee movie on Saturday, and he'd be like, "It's a Godzilla movie." You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're staying in. And then when I was fourteen, uh, thirteen, I get uh, on the TV and I see a a trailer for a new Godzilla movie that just looks amazing. Godzilla uh -huh. 1984, I had no idea. And, uh, <laughs> and I drag my brother to that. And in those four or five years, apparently uh, my taste had matured a little bit. And, and we both walked out of there thinking, that was not so great. Yeah. <laughs> but they have brought Raymond Burr back. Yeah. And, and Dr. Pepper, yeah. for some reason, oh, a prominent yeah. actor in that uh, but oh, but the funny thing was, was and hands. I didn't find this out until you know five or six years later, was that the uh, the original I think it was just called Godzilla in Japan yeah. when they when they relaunched it, and of course it did or not have Raymond Burr, and it was it was a very serious movie again. Oh, and, that's and, hilarious. And seeing mm -hmm. that uh, 1984 or, or 83 ish, I guess it was for mm -hmm. well 84 in Japan, and 85, 85 America. 85, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a much better movie again. Yeah. They, it's 
It's not a great movie, but they were taking it seriously. They were trying to relaunch a serious Godzilla again. Yeah, yeah, they definitely took it seriously. I mean, without a doubt, that movie, it's it's dark. Um, I personally, I, I love parts about that movie. Mm-hmm. I, there are other parts about it I just really can't stand. Uh, the, <laughs> the the homeless guy who's eating the buffet. Uh, when when I was a kid, I thought that was awesome. I thought it was hilarious. And uh, then later on in life, I saw it and I'm like, yeah, here he comes. And now he's running away from Godzilla and it just looks really bad. Yeah, so, <laughs> Godzilla's in the background. They've got the like the cyborg Godzilla. You know, yep, yep, the, the big animatronic. animatronic version mm-hmm. of him. And mm-hmm. You know, it's clearly he's running in front of a, a movie screen with the, you know, yeah, it projected on the background. Just looked really, really silly. But yeah. I will say the mm-hmm. design, the exception of the sleepy eyes, the design of the '84 Godzilla, really did a great thing because it it sort of went through the entire Heisei series mm-hmm. until '95. Yeah. Right. So, so to use, you we're using some certain terms. Godzilla kind of has three continuities, really two continuities and a discontinuity, where we kind of say, all right, all these films loosely pretend they lead from one to the next to the next, and they start with that original 54 film, and went up into the 70s with Terror of Mechagodzilla. This is called the Showa era, and all of these films are kind of considered one continuity, and they start out serious, and they go to the monster wrestling and goofy and, and such. And then in, with 84, they start with a new continuity again, and they run it up into the uh, mid-90s, waiting for this imminent American chain of films that was supposed to have worked right. out so well. Oops. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and so that was there was a second continuity, and that was a cool continuity because they at least tried to go kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, cryptozoological with Godzilla. We tried to really try to pretend that there's some biological basis to some of this, even though at times they very purposefully skirted away from that too, but not to get into the mystic elements of the series. Um, they also really tried to adhere to a much more biological kind of take on the creatures and Godzilla, and that was kind of fun. Um, and then, starting with Godzilla 2000 forward, um, usually only one or two films ever connect to each other, and then most of those films from Godzilla 2000, till they stop doing them after Final Wars, are almost all standalones. Sometimes referencing something else, but that's about it. Yeah. So, yeah. So we use these different terms. There's uh, Showa, Heisei, and Shinsei. These terms actually relate to who the Japanese emperor is currently in Japan at the time, and that's where those terms are coming from. But, anyways, so yeah, so so the Heisei series. Starts then, and and we're That's given the second some, one, the '90s, the '80s, '90s. We're given some pretty cool monster designs all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the oh, Biolante yeah. character, uh, I remember. Uh, and who would have thought a giant killer rose bush would actually be cool? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost Lovecraftian in its yeah, yeah. Times, the tentacles right? and yeah. like the giant mouth. Oh yeah, oh. it's beautiful. Yeah, and I remember not even finding out about that until I had uh, my own place, and uh, you know. I believe I was getting ready for work, had HBO on. What is this awesome movie I'm yeah. watching? And, yeah. and it was uh, Godzilla vs. Biollante. Yeah. And I, I suddenly realized they're still making Godzilla movies. Yeah. And so I started doing some research. And, and yeah, they had been doing you know four or five movies since, uh, since uh, 1985. And these movies range from being near brilliant to uh, incomprehensible. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But but the effects looked great. Godzilla yeah. Godzilla started looking, you know, more and more evil. Uh, mm. He was he was no longer 
he was no longer the protector of the earth. He was just a, a force of nature that happened to be battling whatever new his, force of nature. The skies got larger. Yeah. Well, they yeah. had to. How big things can they get before it can't even really walk? I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. right. and, you know, the, the force of nature sort of idea behind Godzilla is like something they never mm-hmm. say in the Japanese films. And then, like, the Steve Martin character in Godzilla 1985, actually, I think he says been a really long time since I've seen it because yeah. it's not available on DVD but yeah. I think he actually says like you got to consider Godzilla a force of nature instead of something you could just take down yeah and yeah it's a thematic great yeah it's a thematic the later Japanese films will start to do even even as we say this one run tried to handle Godzilla more biologically literally they very purposely flaunt the opposite at times it was a great bit in one of the films I'm forgetting which one where we end up having Godzilla literally going through the volcano and they're like uh, Wow, we got nothing. <laughs> that, biologically, that shouldn't even happen. Yeah. That, yeah. that can't happen. Why? Do, yeah. There it is. They yeah. came right up out of the volcano. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's, that's Biolante. Yeah. And, you know, so speaking yeah. speaking that's it. to the monster, the rest of the monster designs too. I mean, is uh, with the exception of obviously King Ghidra and Mothra and King. Let's just say King Ghidra and Mothra. Even everything else, like even the other monsters like Mechagodzilla and uh, Rodan that come back and make their appearances in the Heisei series, they're all dramatically redesigned for mm-hmm. a new era. Yeah. And it's really, it's really pretty cool. Um, Biollante, I think, well, every month we on the podcast watch a movie and uh, then talk about it and grab stickers when you're yeah. done, guys. I've got stickers yeah. up here for yeah, you. Yeah, just yeah. just just from my <laughs> the room. Okay. Yeah. Uh, every so every month we we talk about a movie and uh, and basically just discuss its points. And this last month was Godzilla versus Biollante, mm. and it was really amazing to hear different people's perspectives on that film. Um, and I got to, I was very happy to talk about the creature design from that movie. Um, so. I don't need to talk about it too much, but you guys know that who in here knows the origin <coughs> of Godzilla versus Biollante's story? Well, you know, right? Mm-hmm. It's part of Godzilla, though, right? The yeah. Oh no, 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 I don't mean like the the contextual story itself, but oh, like how did like the story get created? No. Okay, so yeah. they were looking for ideas because Godzilla 1984 did not do as well as they wanted to, so they solicited Japan, and they Toho said. Your story could be the next Godzilla movie, and they had a a, a panel of experts yeah. and science fiction uh, writers, and <laughs> you know the president of Toho at the time. And what ended up happening was at like the last minute. Oh, this is a, oh, this is all according to Steve Rifle's book, which is mm-hmm. a great book. It's called the um, Japan's uh, Favorite Monstar. Yeah, the unauthorized biography of the Big G. <laughs> yeah. Monstar, yeah. They're saying it like that so he doesn't get sued because he didn't get any yeah. of the copyrights and didn't pay for any licensing from Toho. So, so, so Biollante, has, who, does, is anybody unfamiliar with Biollante? Does everybody know what Biollante looks like? Sort of giant mouth on the creature, has like massive <laughs> row of teeth and tentacles coming up with big mouths on them. The author Bastard. of the story was a dentist, and I thought that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. because like, it's, like the, it's like the dentist's worst, worst nightmare. Yeah, and especially when you look yeah, at all the teeth, they're all nasty well. looking. But yeah, Violante yeah, uh, is a great creature design. Fantastic. You know, I personally am a big fan of the larval form of Batra. Mm. Oh yeah, and I even think Space Godzilla looks really cool. Everybody's like, what's this 
Godzilla with giant crystals on his shoulders, even though it's yeah. the most terrible movie mm. in that series. Uh -huh. It's a great creature design. And uh, then, of course, there's Destroya and all its many, many forms, right. too. Yeah. Absolutely. i got to throw down for Final Wars, Gigan. You just saw Gigan? Absolutely. With the mm. spinning blades. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> totally. He's got the chains that shoot out of his arms, yep. too. Yep. <laughs> Love that stuff. Very fun. Yeah. Well, so so they, they did a couple of, uh, of serious movies, and they had the... Uh, I thought it was a pretty, uh, a pretty nice attempt at time travel in, mm. in uh, was it Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, Ghidorah right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and and they kind That's of explained Godzilla's or rewrote Godzilla's origin in that one mm -hmm. and turned yeah. him into a Godzilla Saurus, yeah. which which were was hinted in the original film, <laughs> right? Yeah, was I mean, so they yeah, didn't rewrite right. the origin; they just show you what we never saw before, yeah. right? Who right. just happened to be on an island uh, in the South Pacific when. Yeah, these atomic bombs were being tested. Yeah, and uh, and and so we're given, you know, a couple of hokey movies, but but they the the intent was for for them to be serious sci-fi slash horror, and then something something went wrong. Uh, Mechagodzilla, oh, the new Mechagodzilla, I loved, but again they decided to bring in this baby Godzilla. Mm. The, the creature mm -hmm. design is much better. He's a friggin' cute little monster. Except but, for the one film. But, Except for the one. Because there's the one where they do a Mochibi Space yeah, Godzilla. Space Godzilla. Right. They did right. him just as a Saurian-looking thing at first, yeah. and that was acceptable. That was. When they reintroduced a young Godzilla, they just did it as a big Saurian thing at first. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah. No cheesy Doughboy Minya. Yeah. You yeah. know, but then in this one film, suddenly it has big, giant Gigantic eyes. Gigantic anime eyes. Yeah. And it was <laughs> super deformed in real, in yeah. real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember watching it and saying, what is this? Mm -hmm. Nonsense, and my friend, my female friend at the time, was like, That is so cute! Oh my god! And then you realized, I was like, Damn you, marketing! Right. Damn you! Right. Yeah. You and Mothra, baby Godzilla. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> For the ladies. Yep, totally. <laughs> Chicks did Mothra. They do. That's true. Although, although Mothra did a company with the two twin women, which uh -huh. were, you know, again, bringing back around to. Oh, yeah. Uh, a little, one of the greatest songs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 What are the 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 Shin? What's the Japanese term for uh, them? The Shobijin. Shin. Yeah, Shobi Shin for the the fairy the infant twins that uh, seem to Mothra and seem to uh, either be connected to it or summoning it at times. Depends well, on the continuity. So, do, does anybody know what was going on there? Were was, were the films not doing very well, and so they decided we're going to strictly aim them towards kids because. Following that, it seemed like they would just start throwing in whatever was hot at the time. You know, uh, mm -hmm. by Final Wars, we had basically the X Men as yeah. their villains. Mm -hmm. if, <laughs> yeah, if you bizarre. if you look at the if you look at the progression in the Heisei series, you know, you start with a very serious movie, and the next film, Violante, is still very serious, but they're adding new elements the into it. The telepathic link. Right. Yeah. yeah, and mm -hmm. what we talked about, which I thought was really cool, is. Um, some of this continuity, and like in the in the Showa series, you don't get a definitive continuity. You don't get people in movies, uh, you know, three movies later saying, "Oh, back, remember back when Godzilla fought so and so, or you know, yeah. when these aliens came and you know tried to take us over." But in the Heisei series, you do get a progression, and it is a it is a story. Actually, a friend of mine watched Destroya first, and he mm -hmm. was like. I, I hate to say this, I'm lost. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Well, didn't, didn't, didn't yeah. that era yeah. of film introduce like the G-Force mm -hmm. in a big Correct. way to be like this 
this team that battles and keeps him under under wraps per se. I mean, everything. Yeah. It wasn't like Correct. oh, the military has to come out. We're going to call the G Force with their one little spaceship and see if they can take yeah. them out. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, it was basically sort of a leveraging off the Japanese self defense force, and then it became a part of the branding that Toho spread to America because the Dark Horse comic, the second comic series Godzilla had, was all about a team that was that. Yeah, actually, very much based on that. So Art Adams. Actually mm-hmm. created yeah. G Force, and then Toho said, well, "That's a good idea." Yeah, Yoink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear and he it, wasn't happy about that. It yeah. was a good yeah. idea because if you were to look at it realistically, you've got this gigantic atomic creature invading your island every six months. Mm-hmm. You would you would find some way to to stop it. So it was it was oh. a really neat idea. <laughs> <I> Hopefully, <Yeah. laughs> we could try. Let's find some way to, to attempt to stop it. No. Or move. Yeah, move. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually, but one, one thing I wanted to get into then was Good, you were talking about the, the different continuities. So mm-hmm. after Godzilla 2000, um, they released a series of movies that, when you say standalone, literally standalone, have mm-hmm. nothing to do with each other and almost have a different uh, take on Godzilla every yeah. single time. Mm-hmm. What, was, what was the point of that? Uh, it's very confusing as an American watcher yeah. to see I that and really realize about three movies in, none of these have anything to do with each other sure. or... I really adored that about those movies because I'm not really a continuity head. Like I just want to see mm-hmm. the monsters like step on buildings. Yeah. That's what I really love. I want to see yeah. them fight and step on buildings. And I kind of viewed actually almost all those movies as just a direct sequel to the original Godzilla. If you all view them as sequels mm-hmm. to the 1954 Godzilla, they all make sense in that context. And a couple of them are definitely meant to be exactly that. Yeah, they so they, they, right. they reference they yeah. reference in the movie several times that they've seen Godzilla in all those. Mo- yeah. They reference in several of those movies that they've seen Godzilla one time before. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like, and it seems to be like that old uh, badass Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Like GMK was wonderful in actually having the big monster battles, Wait, but having to it be actually a dark and like ugly movie. Mm-hmm. The Godzilla now he wipes out the hospital, I think yeah. is like the best scene in the entire yeah. scene, oh. like in all of Godzilla period. Well, that's yeah. probably one of the more most original and terrifying Godzilla's in that he had the white eyes, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Let's, like let's do the little GMK rant right for a second. <laughs> oh, yeah. we got to talk about, really, I want to answer the question, we want to come back to the question, really, but let's talk about GMK for a yeah. sec, because that's, yeah. if if I name one other <coughs> film than the original as probably the most important other Godzilla film to see, it's Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidra, All Monster Attack, they just call it GMK for short. And it's made to be a sequel to the original film. It literally says maybe a couple of those other standalone giant monster movies have occurred. And that's it. Only the original film. A couple other things. Nothing else has really occurred. So it, it has so many brilliant bits. Like when monsters are first appearing, they're like, oh, there's a red Godzilla over here. What, how do people know these names, right? I mean, you know, th- there was so many little smart things in there. They even did great flippant things, like they uh, they mocked the American film. There's a quick bit where they're having a news conference. These creatures are appearing, and they're like, didn't somebody say they saw one in New York? They're like, oh, the Americans thought there was a Godzilla in New York, but that wasn't Godzilla. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah it was just little funny bits like that. And uh, the Godzilla in this is just extra and extra nasty. I mean, they made a much more saurian, oversized, uh, big, large fangs. And he's got these milky white eyes. Yeah. And without getting too much into his background and what they've done, is they've given him an entirely different origin, more steeped in Japanese Shinto mythology and, yep. and uh, a lot of their spirituality, including many of the other monsters, are reimagined partially through Japanese mythology. It's a much deeper Very film. cool. Yeah. It's yeah. A much deeper film. It's surprising in that in that aspect. Yeah. When they yeah. start getting into it, you're like, whoa, this is 
much more layered than I was expecting by and yeah. you see Godzilla back to being the enemy. I mean, back to being, and also literally the single nastiest Godzilla even ever compared to the first film. I mean, there's there's a shot where Correct. literally people screaming in the streets, the usual Godzilla walking. One woman stuff just screams. Godzilla just stops, looks down right at her, back lights up, and just boom. And just it's like wow, that's that's how evil this Godzilla person, is. Yeah. yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that the first movie since the original Godzilla that you actually saw like the um, devastation to humans after Godzilla has gone through an area? Almost typically, the funny thing is the only other one you get that in is Godzilla versus Hedorah, the smog monster. In yeah. that film, which is my other favorite Godzilla <laughs> movie. Yeah, and you see people dead in the streets, and that's one of the only other times you ever. Oh, that's seen right. That's right. You people. do. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, into add to that is mm -hmm. that Godzilla doesn't in that movie doesn't uh, actually do the destruction or doesn't do the killing oh. it's it's Hedra mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. in GMK it's definitely Godzilla <laughs> yeah. Godzilla is definitely the bad guy and I think uh, if you guys don't I mean if you know or not you're gonna talk about it anyway yeah. the uh, <laughs> the suit itself you know Japanese in general are not that tall so uh, uh, Haru Nakajima mm -hmm. and Kenpachiro Satsuma, yeah. both of those guys are, are short guys, they're about like five feet tall. The Godzilla suits in general will only be maybe five and a half to six feet tall. Godzilla Mothra King Ghidra's suit, the GMK suit, was actually, uh, when suspended on its wires, so it was like at its full height, like I think it was almost like seven and a half feet tall. Yeah. The thing was massive, and that was because of the uh, the design of the the actual the creature design behind Godzilla in that film was a little bit different. They tried to make him a little more saurian, like a dinosaur, where he was leaning forward a little more. If they had had their their way and the ability to do it, he would have been leaning forward with his tail up in the air the entire time. Very Jurassic time. Parky. Yeah. And his uh, almost had that whole like uh, raised raised heel yeah. thing going on. Yeah. But what yeah. ended up happening was that. Because they wanted to try for that, they had to make a raised heel for him. They so he has like these. Some people actually refer to him as the Godzilla with the giant kiss boots because he's got this <laughs> platform that lifts his heel up. Yeah. Still, I don't. I don't think I've ever looked at the movie and said, yeah. "Oh, that looks stupid." Right. No, I love that film. That's one like of single favorite my Godzilla favorite designs. of the mm -hmm. uh, the yeah. Millennium series, too, Shinsei. Yeah. And then yeah. reintroduction of Baragon. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And there's a there's a whole big long story yeah. behind why why the monsters who are in that movie were in that film. Yeah. If you want to go down. Let's let's movie. do it. No, right. let's do it. So the director of that film is uh, Shusuke Kaneko, Kaneko, who directed the Gamera series from the 90 90s, With amazing movies. Also Which segue amazing. if you've never seen old Gamera films, you feel however you feel about them. If you've never seen these, try Gamera again, just these three. Yeah. Wow. Really 95, cool. 96, and 99. Yeah. Amazing films. And and especially if you watch them in that order, they just get progressively amazinger and amazinger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. More and more amazing. All right, so... Uh, more amazing. So, Kaneko uh, was heavily involved in the script for the movie, and he had many different ideas coming into Toho because, you know, he had a lot of success with the Gamera series, and so Toho brought him on board for this movie. And what ended up happening is, you know, after drafts and drafts and drafts, he came up with one which he thought was really good. It was almost the exact same story, but instead of it being Baragon, Mothra, and King Ghidra as the Earth's guardians, he had Varan, Baragon, and Angulus. It gave the first three Toho giant monsters that were done with Godzilla or besides Godzilla. Yeah. Well, they're all, and they're all very, you know, uh, they're all very 
based on the earth. You know, they're from they're supposed to be the protectors of Japan. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is Toho said, This is a great script, let's do it, except Luz, Angulus <coughs> and Varan. We need to go with somebody more popular. So we're gonna put Mothra and King Ghidra in a film, which is as a fan of all the films, is so annoying because what what Toho did is they did that all the way through the Heisei series. They like brought Mothra back, and then once Mothra was back, she was in Mothra, uh, Godzilla vs. Mothra in 92. They threw her in a little bit in 93, and they threw her again in 94 again in Space Godzilla, and then the Mothra had her own series. I'm not trying to get her Mothra, Jeff, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but not trying. But I'm just saying, like, and yeah. then uh, King Ghidra as well in 91. And then there were and the reason and the reason for that monsters. is is the three most popular giant monsters of all time all film series are Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidra. Yeah. In fact, by the way, on GMK one bit, I just want to mention you talk about how big the suit is. That is the only movie in which Godzilla is larger than King Ghidra. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. In it, that was, and that's oh, the yeah, only that's time. Right. And the only movie yeah. where King Ghidra is a good guy. Uh huh. Well put too. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Shinto mythology based on Yamato no Orochi, the eight-headed dragon, Suzano Wo, the Japanese god of the moon, slays, and then the contrivance is, is that only three of the heads have regenerated, and that it's not fully regenerated yet, is uh, the contrivance for the Ghidra in that film, but fun stuff. Nice. Excellent film. I think that we brought, uh, we brought everybody up to speed on, you know, the last hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. All right, guys, that yeah. is actually all the time we have. Actually in the so, in Godzilla vs. Mothra. Cool. Well, thanks, man. If you watch, oh, there's all the shit. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Once again, I really want to thank everyone at the panel. That was uh, Kelly, Aaron, Jeff, and Nick for such a great experience. Most importantly, Eric from Crypticon for shuffling me over to this panel instead of the podcasting one, too. I'll have a link to the Crypticon website and Facebook page in the show notes. And since we don't have that much time left, let's move immediately to the next segment. Once again, class, it is time for Daikaiju discussions. Every month, the Kaiju cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listeners with submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month solidifying that this show will keep going for a long, long time. Pounding across the motion picture screen comes the most terrifying monster of them all, Gamera the Invincible. Gamera, the super monster that even the H-bomb cannot destroy. Gamera the Invincible. Gamera, consuming raw atomic power, power to destroy entire cities. Open fire! Man's most destructive weapons have no effect on Gamera the Invincible. The mightiest nuclear weapons ever devised are powerless against Gamera the Invincible. Is humanity doomed? Will the world be destroyed? The United Nations is called to emergency session in a last desperate effort to save the world. We have one plan that we think might work. We have discussed Plan Z with the Japanese authorities, and they agree it is the best of our alternative plans. Is that correct, sir? That is so. Plan Z is hope of the world. 
a cast of thousands at the mercy of the most terrifying monster that ever lived. Brian Donlevy as General Arnold. is beyond comprehension. He must be stopped now. Albert Decker as the Secretary of Defense. Will Plan Z stop Gamera? Gamera, the Invincible. Gamera, the Invincible. Anyway, Daikaiju Gamera, which is the movie we watched, a.k.a. Giant Monster Gamera, was released in November of 1965 to screens across Japan by Toho's rival film producer, Daiei Pictures. Clearly, their attempt to create their own iconic giant monster movie. This was the first of seven films released before Daiei declared bankruptcy in 1971, with an eighth being produced in 1980 after the company was purchased by Tokuma Shota in 1974. The series was picked up again in the late 90s thanks to a budding monster director, Shusuke Kaneko. But once again, some of my previous guests came over to watch this film, and uh, then we decided to discuss it. Sitting here with Jeff, Tiger, and Cindy. Thank you guys for joining me tonight to watch Gamera the Invincible, otherwise known as Daikaiju Gamera. And uh, this is one of those movies that, as we talked about, I had actually, I'm not sure if I had ever seen it before or not. This is the first time it's been available on DVD, at least subtitled. Um, I don't know about the old cheap versions like you asked about, Jeff. But I'm not sure if I can, you know, competently talk about Gamera like I talk about Godzilla, <laughs> especially the Showa series. But this movie um, was from 1965, and uh, I know it featured some classic Daiei actors. I just don't know many more than a few in the film. And I know that one of them continued on through the next movies and reappeared in uh, Gamera versus Giron. But uh, let's forget about all that nonsense. I might talk about it later on the show and let's talk about how you guys like the movie. Jeff? Um, this is the second Gamera film that I've seen in this Showa series. So I'm kind of in the dark when it comes to a lot of the films in this series. But um, for this one, I have to say, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, it was a lot better than I had anticipated it to be. Um, I uh, I thought it definitely had a more serious tone than, of course, Giron has, you know, with the, with the singing and, and the song and stuff that they had. So I kind of expected, because that was the only other Gamera film I had seen uh, prior to this, I didn't expect this to be quite as I get serious, if you could call it serious. Still, um, uh, I was kind of surprised um, at the destruction sh- scene. You actually see some pe- people getting uh, toasted with the, uh, you know, with his uh, flame, which was a little bit shocking. And I thought the destruction scene was actually pretty good in in this Gamera film. Overall, I, I enjoyed it. it. You know, it's fun. We had a few laughs, as you know, while watching it. But um. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. Right on, Cindy. What did you think? Did you you've seen this before, right? Yeah, I haven't seen it in. Okay, we're going to preface this by saying I haven't seen this in decades, literally. That works. That works. There were some parts that I remembered. Some parts I'm sure I chose to forget about. <laughs> uh, the English dialogue. Yeah, we had a we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun listening to the English dialogue and noting that the, let's call him the general, yep. was sitting there basically reading his lines off his paper 
that I'm sure were, were his marching orders. And uh, I think you could tell from the tone in my voice that I'm I'm putting quotation marks around those pieces. But yeah, that guy, that guy was hilarious. At least they didn't have that much uh, English. At least <laughs> they didn't yeah. have that much as far as like uh, having American actors trying to act or American military personnel, which I think those guys might have actually been military personnel. They could very well have been either that or they were very uh, low C-grade actors. And it was interesting that you, when they were on the screen speaking English, there were actually Japanese subtitles running in the left and right margin. Yeah, I noticed that too. Um, yeah, they, I, I, I'm going to go with there were probably military personnel. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they were. <laughs> um, and an interesting uh, note as well is at the beginning when they, when they uh, you know, talk to the Eskimo. He's kind of speaking, you know, a strange <laughs> version of English as well. Very animated character. Yeah, that he definitely was speaking English. Both of them were the the professor, the doctor, excuse me, and the Eskimo were speaking in English. And one of the things that I noticed while we were talking about it, and I I said like, oh yeah, that's Gamera. He's the devil's envoy. And then I said, oh that that Eskimo was quite well educated to know those words. And then I thought about it, and he had the he had the crucifix on. He had the cross on. So maybe there was a little bit of purpose to that. You know, he's he's got a cross on, and he's talking about how Gamera is the uh, devil's envoy. And didn't he say, like, what did he say about the planes when they're flying Devil. over? Devil's, devil's birds. Yeah, devil's birds. So that's kind of weird to me that it's in a monster movie. But, hey, it's it's something new. Congratulations, Dae, for breaking the religious aspect into the giant monster <laughs> movies from japan i'm sure we all appreciate that very much hey tiger tell me how you liked it it was good i mean i would definitely change a few things i just thought it was weird how the kid wanted gamer to survive like so much but then like he's happy he gets shot into the moon <laughs> now did you, you i'd say you and he are probably about the same age don't you think you looked about the same age as that kid sort of so you pretty much know that if a small turtle disappears, he's not going to turn into a giant monster. I mean, that seems like pretty rudimentary logic. And I would imagine that you would not feel that way. So I was surprised that such an older child in the Gamera movie would, would feel that way. Don't you find that weird? Yeah. But another thing I thought was interesting was the whole turtle thing is just like the... One of the recent films, which is like... No, Gamera a Little Brave. Yes. Yeah, I noticed the similarity there, too. <laughs> I'm sure they brought that back. for it. that's turning into a Gamera, except it's going slower. Yeah, and this, this kid just kind of assumed that his missing turtle turned into Gamera. I think we all know that didn't really happen. I think it's pretty clear that kid is not all there, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean... You know, he witnesses all this destruction that Gamera does, and still he's you know j- thinks Gamera's just a misunderstood monster or something. Um, even when he you know destroys that you know tanker of petroleum or whatever they're shipping to him, um, yeah, the kids' motivations are kind of uh, a little bit murky, and and it's like when they get to the island, and uh, you know they're luring Gamera there for for uh, Plan Z. At first, he's all, go away, you know, stay away, Gamera. He's, he's yelling at Gamera. And then all of a sudden, he's like, all of a sudden, kind of for the plan, just like reverses. 
like you know, you know, is that just a mishap in the script or something? Uh, well, maybe maybe he didn't know what Plan Z was, but when they finally got him to the island, and he's like, you know, he tells Gamera to go away. Somebody may have pulled him aside and said, "Hey, you know, we're not going to hurt him. We just want him to go to Mars." How long is that trip to Mars? <laughs> well, you know. I, I, I'm not an expert on uh, interplanetary travel, but I'd say that at the rate of a 1965 rocket, Gamera would probably still be going. 40-year trip? Survive the impact? Probably, uh, survive the impact? Well, <laughs> I'm sure they had some sort of <laughs> contingency plan. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Gamera can't be destroyed by conventional weapons. I'm sure he'd be fine. So one of the things that I, um, you know, I often ask about these movies is what what did you like versus what didn't you like and so i think that if we tried to compile the list of what we didn't like about this movie or what we would change it'd probably be a little too long um personally if i had to choose one thing i'd probably make some edits to the story itself um 60 1965 die is clearly trying to cash in on the godzilla franchise I don't think you're gonna get much. Uh, I don't think you're gonna get much change in the way of special effects, suit design, anything like that. I mean, we're not talking about going back in time and changing something. You know, just talking about what could have been changed. It could have been a little bit better. I uh, I think a little more cohesive Plan Z might have been better. I don't know about firing people off into space if that actually works or not. But what about uh, what about you, Cindy? What would you may have changed if you were in '65 and saw this? Uh, some of the there were some jumps in the storyline that made me wonder what they cut out. For example, when there was uh, they lured Gamma to the island for Plan Z, um, then the typhoon hit, the fires were going out. They had to set fire to some of the buildings to lure, you know, to keep luring him in. Um, all of a sudden, the the whole island gets drenched, and the next thing you know, it's the next day. They're in the control tower. Gamma's still on the island. Yeah. It's like, okay, what happened overnight? Nothing apparently. Everyone in Japan needs a good night's rest. Uh, apparently, Gamma, Gamma did too because yeah. he he was lying down when we saw him next. But he wakes up with that insatiable hunger. Right. And they somehow managed to build a rocket and have that entire thing set up in how long did they say that took? Well, it clearly it was only it <laughs> was it twenty four hours? Is that what he said? Well I'm not sure if it's exactly twenty four hours. I just remember the American general said, you know, uh you need to hold him, you know, at, at the was it petroleum plant for twenty four hours until we until we get you know, the thing on the island built or made. But I guess they said they've been working on Plan Z for at least a few days, right? I mean, they're very efficient when all when all the countries put their heads together. Because this was an international affair. Definitely, you had... I think, didn't you guys see in the end the guy from Russia and the guy from America? They, they hugged, which in this is, you know the beginning of the cold war towards the beginning of the cold war so yes and it was kind of interesting all the scientists <laughs> spoke japanese all of them yeah. well you know not i mean clearly some of the japanese guys speak english as broken as it may be what what would you change jeff 
you know, I already agree with Cindy and you in that maybe make the story a little tighter. Because even though the running time is only like, what, 78 minutes, it still kind of felt like it was longer. And uh, for kind of like not really, when you think about it, not really that much happened in the story. But it just seemed like from the uh, beginning of uh, implementing Plan Z, it just kind of seemed like it stretched for like a long time with not really that much happening. Um, I'm going to just make it a little bit tighter. You know, one thing I thought maybe they should have played up on a little bit is the whole Eskimo thing about, you know, the devil's planes. And who was that? The Americans or the Soviet Union? That Did they even really say? Nobody knows. Yeah, yeah. So I thought maybe they'd play that up and then maybe there'd be more blame thrown on, you know, the two superpowers for kind of unleashing this this beast. You know, but they kind of didn't really touch that at all. And the Americans and... Uh, Soviets kind of helped solve the problem, I guess, that they created in a way. Maybe it was the Italians. <laughs> Maybe it was the French. The Germans. The Germans. The Germans. No, they were the bad guys in 10 years prior, or 12 years prior. And uh, let's hear what some other people thought. So a uh, listener from Scotland, Stephen, wrote in saying that he thinks Gamera is awesome and is a perfect introduction to the series and the character. The plot is simple but entertaining, and the destruction scenes with Gamera himself are handled very effectively, specifically the miniature vehicles. Uh, he doesn't think could even rival uh, the work of Subaraya, but he can't help but get the impression that uh, the film was only filmed in black and white in order to give it that classic feel. Um, when Toho and pretty much the rest of the world were filming in full color at the time. Mike from California wrote in to say that as a kid, Gamera was always his favorite because of uh, the whole friend to all children angle. He found some of the effects and use of camera work to be pretty impressive to enhance the feeling of reality. There was one overhead shot of Gamera going through the refinery that he felt um, it was like a shot for, it looked like it was shot from an airplane and carries that effect pretty well. Eric says that he uh, also considers Gamera to be his favorite kaiju. But that being said, the first Gamera film is easily his least favorite film in the Gamera series with the possible exception of Super Monster Gamera. This film feels like a generic monster on the loose picture with brief hints to the ultimate direction the Showa series would take. Sean mentions that he can really say nothing but good things about the original 1965 Gamera film, in particular the 1980s Creature Features slash Sandy Frank release holds nothing but warm memories and a very special place in his heart. What he found most striking about the original Gamera film was the haunting main title and end credits in the musical score, which were, of course, reworked for this particular release. They stick with him even to this day. It would have been awesome if the composer Kawatani had worked the main title theme from the original Showa series into the Gamera 3 uh, film just a little bit as a tribute to Gamera's genesis. As far as the uh, heavily Americanized Gamera the Invincible goes, which we of course did not see, he also loves that film. Uh, and then Jose wrote in to say that as with all kaiju movies, no matter how cheesy they look, they are still enjoyable to watch. The, uh, the look for Gamera was decent from the for the time that it was made, as was the plot. It was interesting to see that he uh, was or is an invincible force and the only way to get rid of him was to trap him and blast him off to Mars which proved useless as he uh, returned in the sequels 
And actually, let me let me just pause there for a second. I just found out recently, because I started reading comic books again, that in Marvel, they did that same thing to the Hulk. Weird, huh? Anyway, maybe Dae could get some, uh, or Katakawa could get some some royalties from Marvel. Just kidding, Stan Lee. I'm joking. Anyway, uh, another listener, Robert, wrote in at the last minute to say that the matte paintings are beautiful, like the one of the nuclear explosion in the beginning. So is the actual monster suit, which we can see clearly in the original title sequence. Well, Tochio is just annoying in every version of this movie. The uh, interesting camera angles, fast-paced editing, and great special effects take us past the shortcomings of this kaiju flick. I will close by saying that I know we sort of gave this movie a little bit of a hard time. I think maybe it's because we wa- we started a little bit late, and uh, it's kind of a it is a little bit slow to watch a black and white 1960s monster movie subtitled in English at uh, eight o'clock at night. But I really do have a soft spot in my heart for the Gamera movies. I've never held them to the same standards of the Godzilla films. Is that a problem with the first Gamera movie? Is that a problem for the rest of the series? Now, for me, not really. I think that overall, this movie delivers what it is meant to. It's a large monster battling the humans and busting up buildings all the while, giving a smile child an excuse to think that his turtle has become an overgrown uh, gigantic radioactive fire-breathing UFO-spinning monster in just a matter of hours. We actually have to kind of hustle through this, so let's talk about some news. This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. So I regretfully am announcing here on the Kaiju Cast that I am not going to be able to go to G-Fest this year. But that should not stop you from going. From July 9th through July 11th, 2010, at the Rosemont Hotel at the uh, at Chicago O'Hare, G-Fest will be on. And I can't go because the price tag because I'll have my son with me. But I thought I'd share what's going on. This year's guests are Robert Scott Field, Dr. William Susui, David Callett, the author, Bob Eggleton, the artist. What's up, Bob? And amazingly enough, they got Akira Takarada to come. So that's pretty awesome. They're also going to be showing Son of Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Mothra, Godzilla 2000, Godzilla X Megaguirus, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, and the original Gojira. I'll have the link in the show notes to GFAN's website, just in case you're not already going. There is also a new book out called uh, Killer Kaiju Monsters, Strange Beasts of Japan. Anyway, that book was recommended by Aaron at the Crypticon panel. It's currently on its way to me, but I haven't read it yet. Therefore, I can't say if I suggest it or not, but if you're the type of fan that reads book reviews, check out Ed Gojitowski's review on scifijapan.com. The link will be in the show notes. Additionally, another book has been released that I was just alerted to. Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Men is the first book to cover in English print Honda's life, as well as comprehensively evaluating all 25 of his fantasy films. 
It also gives objective and critical analysis of Honda's filmmaking methods, themes, and relationships with actors and technicians, making use of the extensive interviews from Honda's colleagues as well as the wealth of original source material never before gathered into one volume. Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Men is an affectionate tribute to arguably the most prolific and influential director in the history of fantasy films. Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Men is available online at authorhouse.com. And I'll have a link in the show notes to that book. If you liked Giant Monster Gamera and thought it was really awesome that it got released on DVD this last couple of months, make sure you check out Gamera vs. Barugan, the second movie. It's coming out on DVD next week, and I'll have a link to Shout Factory's store, and of course, you could probably get it anywhere you buy your DVDs. Okay, next up, I was emailed by Mark Nelson from the Saturday Fright Special Colonial Theater Spooktacular. He's the curator um, for those shows, and he wanted to let me know that on Saturday, July 31st at 2 p.m., they're going to be showing Son of Godzilla, and they're going to have a whole bunch of stuff to give away, and there's going to be an original sketch from comic artist S.R. Bissett. So make sure you go check that out. I will have the link, of course. You can probably follow along with me here. A link in the show notes to both the Colonial Theater website and the Saturday Fright Special. All right, my last bit of news here is is basically it's it's just something you should already know about. It's Death Kappa. Death Cap is a movie that has just been released. They had it uh, at the New York Asian Film Festival. It's the new giant monster movie from one of my favorite talents in the industry, Tomu Haraguchi, who has worked on the Gamera films and he worked on Sakuya Yokaiden and he just really has a lot of respect for the old school way of doing things. I'll have a link to a whole bunch of stuff that you can see on SciFiJapan.com about Death Kappa. It's coming out on DVD very soon. I know I'm going to be buying it probably the first day it comes out. I've never really asked you listeners to do anything for me with the exception of, you know, your homework assignments. Wink. But I have a request. For some reason, the Kaiju Cast isn't really coming up in the top page of results when you search for Godzilla Podcast on iTunes. I'm great on Google, doing really good there. But I have no idea why some of the podcasts come up before mine do. If anyone who uses iTunes wants to, you know, jot down a few positive words about the Kaiju Cast and maybe give me a rating, that would be like so super awesome. I know I'd su- certainly appreciate it. Let's be clear. I just want people to find the podcast when they're searching for Godzilla and the way to do the way iTunes does their search results is so mystical that I have no idea if doing this will help or not. But uh, if you'd like to help out, that act alone may actually do something. So who knows? Next month's Daikaiju discussion will be on the classic Showa-era film from 1967, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. We'll be watching the Sony DVD, although I'm open to either watching the subtitled or the dubbed version. I guess I'll just have to ask my friends here at the time. If you'd like to submit your reviews, thoughts, questions, or comments, remember that I usually record the episode in the last week of the month. So get that homework in prior to that. I would like to say thanks once again to all of the panelists from Crypticon. I'll have uh, those links, of course, to all of their endeavors in the show notes. Special thanks to Eric from Crypticon for suggesting my involvement and to Jeff and Willie for letting me even know that the convention had panels. 
A very special shout out goes to Brian and Rachel. Thanks for hanging out with me when I was in Denver. That about wraps things up from this side of the microphone. As always, if you found the Kaiju Cast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, don't hesitate to point your web browser to kaijucast.com where you can download current and previous episodes, check the suggested readings, show notes, the schedule for the Daikaiju discussion, and uh, cast your vote in the polls. As always, I do love hearing from you all, so if you'd like to make a comment, positive or negative, reply to something I said, point out an error, or simply supply your thoughts for the next month's homework assignment, just send an email to controller at kaijucast.com. I would love to hear from you. The KaijuCast is also on the Facebook and the Twitter. Both links can be found on the website. That is all I have to say for this episode. I'll leave you with one more track that is uh, sort of an apology to Jeff for my blatant mothra bashing during the panel. Thanks for listening, guys. Jamata. Mm-hmm.